This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. It is great to see you folks here. What a beautiful day and and a great time to close our Belonging series. Now, the Belonging series is is based on an idea that, that we want to become this, this next piece. We want to be what the world, please say the I word there, what the world is invited to become. And it's not sort of like this this group, New Church Live, or, or any church or synagogue or mosque. I think if we do it well, it's not that we come across as, as having it all figured out. We come across, hopefully, as that we don't have it figured out. Just another Joe and Jane bag of donuts. You know, just doing the best we can, and that we welcome everybody here on that imperfect journey we call life. Now, now that journey, that world we're invited to become... I want to give you two stories, two stories about that. And, uh, yeah, I want you to listen to these stories. They're beautiful. They're beautiful. One is a story about the world I worry about, and this is me personally. And the other is a story that I hope we can all become. The first story. Now, I went down to see, thankfully, a, a parishioner took me down to see the Flyers Penguins game. I'm a Penguins fan. His deal is he would take me as long as I, I wasn't wearing anything with the Penguins on it. I had to wear Flyers gear. Anyhow, went down, had a good time. Yes, for those of you who keep score, the Penguins lost, the Flyers won. I know that. I was at the game. And, uh, you know, we're at the game, and, and there's two young couples in front of us. And this, this one girl has her phone, and she's literally watching the game through the phone. And she's doing a little six-minute, I don't know, whatever, six-second things that she's posting onto wherever they get posted to. And then she takes selfies down the road and then back to this. And I'm realizing she's watching the game somewhere, like, over here on the Internet. Not quite sure where. And and there's, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But I'm thinking, like, wait, the game's right here. You know, the game's right here. The game's right on the other side of the camera. And, and we live in a world where we can get kind of pulled away from the games right here, life's right here. How do we create belonging? You know, how do we, how do we figure out a way to kind of move forward with belonging? Because I, I think technology can be this distraction that pulls us away from relation, the relationships that God intends. Relationship. Over visiting a wonderful couple, near and dear to many of us here. And they're both struggling with a couple of health issues. And she said, Chuck, you wouldn't believe it. A new church live person came over and they brought dinner for us. And it was great. Can you guess what the main course of the dinner was? Ham! Excellent. <laughs> so it was ham. And then the cake said, and this, this is the part that makes me a little kaflump. Brought over a cake, and the cake said, my father's table. Key part of this series has been God gives us a table, not a courtroom. God gives us a table, not a courtroom. Folks, that's the world. That's relationship. Ready for this? That's church. New Church Live, we say all the time, we're a Monday morning church. Now, that happened to be a Thursday evening church, but that was, that was a great Thursday evening church. An actual sermon right there. 
And we all get to choose that, and we all get to choose that, and, and so much of that is flavored by this sense of belonging. How do we extend it? How do we reach out? How do we make it happen out there into the world, knowing that there's so many times we remember how to do it, and there's so many times we forget. So with that, are we ready for our final ham raffle? All right, so pull out your tickets. Angela's going to come on up. So with the ham raffle, folks, the point is this. We have a series called Belonging. The point of this series is to help people get a sense of belonging. With your raffle, you get a chance to invite someone else, the pastor or whoever, over for a, ham, over for a fun ham dinner. Enjoy it a great deal. It is funny watching how people's body... You guys get so excited drawing. All right. You ready, Inch? Yeah. There you go. Ready. We got 393999. Oh, Danine! Danine! You're up for a dinner. <laughs> Danine, take the microphone down to Danine for a second. Danine, you got to come up front for a second. Right down here. I don't want you falling in the pit of despair. Denise, can you tell the congregation, you, you posted something beautiful about your prom dress drive? Oh. That's why I'm going to totally put you on the spot. Okay. My apologies. So could you just tell what you were excited about? Denise's been running a prom dress drive? Yeah. Okay. If many of you might remember last weekend, I was here with my daughter, Rachel, who had a beautiful prom gown on, and the weekend before she announced it. So um, we have a charity called Helping Hands in the Northeast, and next weekend we're holding our seventh annual prom drive slash gown drive. I have over a 1,000 beautiful gowns, about 700 are new, that have been donated to me. So we're super excited. Friday night, we're hosting Athletes Helping Athletes. Uh, they are special needs individuals who, are, who attend their second prom this year, and we uh, give them dresses and tuxedos for their event. Mm. And, you know, the news was there last week, and they said, well, why do you do that last year? And I said, they said, why do you do this? And I said, because it's one less thing those parents have to worry about. You know, it's like so special. Saturday, um, we are hosting 100 military service women, wives, and their daughters. So the women can get um, dresses for their military ball, and the girls can get dresses for their prom. And then Sunday, we're hosting the public. But what is really exciting that I found out this week, is that what you're talking about, is that um, joining the military um, wives and daughters is Miss Philadelphia and Miss Outstanding Teen Philadelphia. They want to become involved in our initiative and what we're doing. So um, it's just amazing that so many people from the community are joining us now in this initiative to make women and teens who normally would not have had an opportunity for a beautiful gown to have one and feel incredible. And so they know that um, there are people out there and mentors out there who care about them and want to help them. Excellent. Thank you, Deneen. And the only thing she has left to plan is another ham dinner, and we're good. So, so folks, here's an example again of like we want, we want to be what the world is invited to become. We want to be what the world is invited to become. And so much of that, again, that, that deep sense of belonging. Sometimes we remember, sometimes we forget. So I want to share with you a Bible story here. It is a humorous Bible story. Anybody who tells you the Bible isn't funny totally hasn't read it properly. The Bible's filled with a lot of humor. And this is actually sort of a, a story that's filled with a lot of irony that people would have been giggling about at this time. 
Now, the background of the story here is this. This is a story that takes place uh, in Israel. It's, it's a story about a, a Jewish follower of Jesus by the name of Peter. Anytime Peter shows up, you know, it's kind of cue the three stooges. Like, he always shows up in these goofy little really fun ways, and it's about his, his interaction with the Roman centurion, a Roman soldier who was part of the occupier of this time. Now, I pulled up this little graphic, this little picture here, it's, it's a little sense of humor. So it's a stick and a marshmallow. And the marshmallow says to the stick, this is awkward. <laughs> so you just have to hold the story that way. Like, just even from this, like Romans and, and these Jewish Christians together on the same bench, this is weird. And it also brings a bit of a smile. So I want to share with you some parts of this. So the, the first part, I'm going to step over here to the right. The first part of this deals with this Roman centurion named Cornelius. Now, Cornelius is a fun name to say, so could we all say it together, Cornelius. I don't know, yeah, I don't know what his mother was thinking. But anyways, like, like, because it's not a centurion name, you know, centurions were big soldiers, and Cornelius is this big general, centurion, in charge of a hundred people, and, and his faith would have been very much aligned with the Roman faith of that time. It was based on sacrifice, idols, going to temples, offerings to gods, and some of the gods were good and some of the gods were bad, and this guy had kind of rejected that all. So that's Cornelius. We have to sort of hold him in one part of our brain. Now I'm going to shift the whole way over onto the other side, because it's a very different perspective. Whole way over to here, and over here was Peter. Peter, again, he shows up in a lot of, of very, very serious parts of the Bible, but he's also so beloved, I think, because he's so normal. How many of us have done something really goofy over the past couple of days? Like, just so goofy. You're just, yes, you're just embarrassed, right? That's Peter. He's constantly doing goofy things in the Bible. And so he came out of a Jewish background. He'd been one of the 12 disciples. Uh, you know, this, this guy had this sense of belonging that was different than Jesus would have had him have it. Like, he was one of the really in people. He'd made the group. You know, he's one of the 12 disciples. I mean, that's as good as it got, you know, in, in, at this time. And yet, it's a story about how that guy got it, and this guy didn't. Again, notice the flip. You would think this guy, because he was in and had hung out with Jesus and everything, he would get it. But no, he doesn't get it. The guy, actually, who had never hung out with Jesus, didn't even know about Jesus, he was the guy who actually got it. Interesting. So I'm going to come back to the middle here and read you the story. This is from Acts 10. This is after the Easter story. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, that guy I was talking about, a centurion of what was known as the Italian regiment. Him and all his family were devout and God-fearing. They weren't Christians. They weren't members of the way. They were just devout, faithful people. He gave generously, listen to this, he gave generously to those in need and prayed regularly. One day he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, said to him, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he answered. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering to God. In other words, the offering to God was not an offering going to a temple to appease an angry God. The offering to God was what he was doing for those who were poor. What he was doing for those who were poor. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Peter. 
he is staying with Simon, whose house is by the sea. When the angel spoke to him and gone, Cornelius called two of his servants. He told them that it had happened and sent them off to Joppa. So that's his vision. Now along comes a vision that's, that comes to Peter. And this vision is really interesting. It doesn't get preached on much because, frankly, it's a little bizarre. About noon the following day, as they were on the journey approaching the city, Peter went up on a roof to pray. He became hungry, wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down by earth to earth on the four corners. It contained all kinds of animals as well as reptiles, birds of the air. Then a voice said, eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied, for he'd never eaten anything impure or unclean. Now, from a Jewish tradition, foods are what? What's the K word, folks? Somebody shout it out. Kosher. So he's saying, I'm not, I'm not touching that. None of that is kosher. It's like scrapple pudding. None of it's kosher. I'm not touching it. And again, it's interesting. Like, this is a guy who was trying to be this really good rule follower. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. This happened three times. That's also a little bit of humor there. Three times those of you who know the Bible, Peter has a number of times where God has to tell him things three times. Sort of like probably a lot of the husbands in here. You know, you got to be told three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, the men sent by Cornelius found Peter and invited him back to meet Cornelius. Beautiful story there. So, so the story goes in these beautiful stages. Again, this angel appearing. Again, when angels appear, there's always fear. Cornelius says, uh, you know, is, is kind of taken aback by this. And I want to really focus on this idea that, that for Cornelius, it wasn't his ethnicity. It was not his status as a Roman centurion. Again, centurions had century, had a hundred soldiers under them. They were very powerful people. It wasn't because of his ethnicity. It was not because of his status. And it was not because of his religion that he, quote-unquote, belonged. That he saw, that God sort of said, yeah, this is a guy who gets it. What it was, was this. Your prayers, please say the G word there, your prayers and gifts to the poor. What have they been? They've been an offering before God. Peter believed his offering was this, was this sort of this tight rule following. Cornelius believed his offering was what he could do for his brothers and sisters who were struggling out there into the world. What a different way to kind of see the world. And I want you to, to hear it as people would have heard it. Like, like all of us, they would have been predicting the, the end of the story all throughout that Cornelius should be the bad guy, Peter should be the good guy. As the band comes out, I want you to hear this middle song and remember a couple of things, you know, as this middle song goes, is, is we all have this mix. This isn't about, like, good guys and bad guys. We all have a this part, and we all have a that part. We all have a part that gets it. We all have a part that thinks it's all about following the rules. We, we have both those parts. We have a part that remembers. We have a part that forgets. Our job is to keep coming back to the memory. Our job is to keep coming back to the memory. And not only to remember the memory, but to live the memory that we all belong, to live the memory of reaching out, to live the memory of actually this commitment, this, 
this reaching out into life in really powerful ways. Again, understanding we're only human. Make a ton of mistakes. But when we come back, I want to talk about that forgetfulness and how we move through it to regain and remember those best intentions of our heart. That brings me back to 1988. Uh, yeah, it's great. And wait till you hear, wait till you guys hear the last song we have coming for you. I mean, we have, it's, it's gonna, gonna bring the house down. Great song on the way. So, so let's, let's go back to the story here. Again, like, ready folks? Do all of us sometimes forget? Do some of us sometimes remember? (laughs) Yes. We're always back and forth between this forgetting, remembering, forgetting, remembering, forgetting, remembering. And that's why we gather, so that maybe we can remember. All of us. You know, because we all go through the week imperfectly, but, but how can we come back and continually retouch that part that remembers? Remembers. You know, that part that Denise was talking about, you know, because, because that's, that's what she was talking about was moral joy. It's not just happiness. I mean, happiness is great. I wish all of you have happiness. And I wish for all of us, even more, that we get to experience moral joy. That next level. That thing that just settles and it settles with both, yes, of course, a sense of happiness, but this deep peace and this deep sense of meaning and commitment in our lives. And that's, I think, where where God is trying to lead Peter. I think that's this story. Again, Peter. Wonderful person to study in the Bible. And it's, and it's interesting if it, the story says, you know, three times, three times, Peter, this guy is told this next line three different times. If God says it's okay, it's okay. Three times. Peter. Easter story. Told by Jesus three times he would deny him. Then the Easter story goes on. Three times Peter does deny knowing Jesus. He sees Jesus after the resurrection. Goes, visits, is chatting with him. Three times Jesus asks him, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Each time Jesus is gently telling him that if you love me, you'll feed my sheep. You'll feed my lambs. That's the response. Peter obviously had forgotten a little bit of that, as we all do. So three times, Peter's told, like, if God says it's okay, it's okay. We don't need to have these big lines. I'm going to hop back and forth between two carpets here to show you, I think, what a, what a big deal this was. You think again, coming over here, for Peter, where he was standing, and, and the idea that he was in, he would have had, by this point in time, you know, the Christian movement was starting to build, Peter would have had a lot of people searching him out, a lot of people looking for his company, a lot of people name-dropping. Oh, I knew Peter when he was little. Like, you know, you would have had a lot of that. And then you think about, folks, the gulf that was between here and where Cornelius was over there. Now, it's interesting. The movement was not to tell Cornelius, who wasn't even Christian, to, to, to go find Peter. It was saying, look, Peter's going to come and find you. You're going to hear people are going to go and travel to use, and, and, and that's how it's going to go. And, and so like this, this, this movement here from here to here, and how does it connect with food? Well, 
it's beautiful. Like, like the story doesn't say, and Jesus said, don't, or God said, don't treat other people like food. What it says, Peter comes up with that himself, and he's spot on. Look at this next line. God has shown me that I shouldn't call anyone impure or unclean. In other words, he had set up people just like that sheet with all the food. There were things he didn't like, things that didn't belong, things that actually his, his historical faith said those people were outsiders. For a Jewish man to go into a Roman centurion's house was an act of spiritual sabotage. Incredibly courageous. I mean, you have to sit with this, folks. This is no small thing. The people that were, that were hearing this story, most of them never would have gone to do that. They couldn't imagine that being what's actually true. So what he did is that he does, he steps across over to here. And he comes across back into Cornelius's, Cornelius's place. And, and, and just imagine that. Just, you know, I think about him showing up. And again, go back to that line. God has shown me that I shouldn't call anyone impure and clean. And here's Cornelius just in this, in this place of he's, he's willing to hear and he's willing to listen. And, and, and the ticket, the ticket, is that he had taken care of the poor and that he was a prayerful man. I think of that idea of, of prayerfulness, I, I don't see that as sort of like piety, over-the-top piety. I think of prayerful and that, that he, was, he was somebody who was thoughtful. He was thoughtful about life. Had all the trappings of power, more power than any of us in this room have. I mean, literally, he could be judge, jury, executioner, tax collector. He could be anything he wanted within his little fiefdom. But what he chose was to be thoughtful. What he, what he chose to do was to take care of the poor. Now, I'm going to come back into the middle here. A beautiful piece of, of new church theology that, that kind of shifts this idea of belonging. I think it's really shifting that idea of belonging is this beautiful line here, which I love. Religion is valued more for its goodwill and faith. And faith, for us in the new church, Emmanuel Swedenborg defines faith as the eye of love, which is, I think, one of the best definitions in the English language. Religion is valued for its goodwill and faith, not for its, please say it's our word there, not for its rituals. That's really big. So much of religious wars are what in my business we call worship wars. Where there's different rituals and people are saying, no, this is the only way you can do it. And then other people are going, no, this is the only way you can do it. Um, it's, it's a story I, I heard, I heard years ago in a church. I, you know, when I get an off day, I go to visit churches. And the first thing this pastor said was, we don't pass the peace here. Now passing the peace, you folks actually already did it. For those of you who aren't aware, passing the peace is an ancient Christian tradition where at the beginning of the service you stand up and you welcome those around you. I did it by giving you a funny question because this is New Church Live, but that's called passing the peace. And, and this pastor got up and they, she's like, well, this is how we're different. We don't pass the peace here. And I'm thinking like, couldn't you pick something a little better? You know, like, is that, is that really the ritual that you want to say is better? Is any one ritual better than another? 
Folks, last week, I mentioned this to you, you know, I was invited down to speak at a church on the main line. Their final song, which we're going to be performing here at the end of the service, was started by an Islamic Muslim girl about 12 years old singing an Islamic prayer. Beautiful ritual. Could I understand a single word she said? No. Could I understand everything she meant? (laughs) Absolutely, I could understand the depth of that. This is really important that we just be aware of not getting hung up on rules. I mean, rules are important. It's not that we go without rules. But we're trying to get to a place with this sense of belonging where there's this goodwill. Where, in other words, where everybody is wishing well for everybody else. And where we have this faith as the eye of love. And if if we get too worried about this dividing up what's the clean food, what's the unclean food, what's the clean person, what's the unclean person, we're going to miss it. That's what the call is here with belonging. Can I show you? I'm going to work up to it. Can I work up to a little picture to show you what I think this looks like? Yes. So, so this is, before we show you the picture, you know, this is a story of Nick Rice and his sister, Ashley. Nick has Down's syndrome. And his older sister, Ashley, uh, you know, got married and she'd always been, they'd always sort of been like, like best buddies. This is them as kids. So she decided, like, like when, when she got married, her and her husband got together, and she said, you know, we got to involve Nick. Now, obviously, Nick was one of the best men. He gave a speech. He did all those things. But she said, you know, honey, would you mind if he actually got the first look of me in my wedding dress? This is what that first look looked like. Take a look. Just let you see it for a minute. Folks, is that a sense of belonging? Is it? Absolutely. Through and through. That's that's such a picture to me at at, at so many levels. That's a picture to me of why God always talks about, like he uses a lot of analogies with tables, he uses a lot of analogies with weddings. That sense of belonging. And I can't help but think, and this is a tangent, I can't help but think that that's how God welcomes us into heaven, too. When we show up in heaven, that's how our loved ones look at us. So glad you're here. What do you think of my wedding dress? That's the world we are trying to create. That's the world we're trying to invite the world to become. Not because we have it figured out, but because with belonging, we can figure it out together. Not because we have it figured out, but because as we value belonging, we value the endeavor that we will figure it out together. That's what this story is all about. The beauty of this, folks, as I come back center here, is a simple idea, this next slide, that lostness simply does not matter. It's not about being lost and found. It's not about clean and unclean. It's about this endeavor we have to pull it all together. 
this beautiful story of sheep that Jesus uses, I think, that talks to this and talks about what our charge is. What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away? Will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? The answer is, of course, God goes and looks. So no matter where you are, no matter how much you feel like you don't belong or you're lost, please remember again that God is always in this endeavor to welcome us all home. I mean, that's what we try to do. That's the kind of church, that's the kind of synagogues, those are the kinds of mosques, I think, that, that really can change the world. I, I don't know whether there's other things that do that. Even some of the places I feel like where we feel that sense of belonging, like at a sporting event, they're great, but they're only great if we win. I know that because, again, I was a Penguins fan this week. And yet we're called to this sense of belonging that's beyond that. That recaptures that picture again and again. When we see it, wherever you see it this week, and you'll see it in little places, use it as an occasion to remember. As I said, being able to talk down at that church, just incredibly beautiful moments throughout that, helping me to remember. The last song we're going to be doing here, just to give you a little background to the song, the song was about remembering, and, and it was a song that was uh, musicians from Zion Baptist Church, from a synagogue, and from a mosque, and they sang this beautiful song, We Rise Up. I gave you the chorus, you're going to have permission to sing along with the band with this song. And as we sing this last song together, I'd ask us to remember to remember belonging, to continue to battle the forces that say there are those that belong and there are those that do not. Continue to allow God into our heart and to continue for us as a congregation to make the offerings that are ours to give, which are always offerings of love. So with that, we close the series. Amen. I'm going to now offer a prayer, and then we're going to have a final song, and you're more than welcome. It's a real easy to sing along with song. You're more than welcome to stand and sing with it or just sit and enjoy it. Either one as we sing, rise up together. But let me get us into a prayerful place here first. So, Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. And, Lord, help us to rise up with this sense of belonging. A sense of belonging that's beyond just mere acceptance. A sense of belonging that pushes us to reach out, that pushes us to serve, that pushes us towards moral joy. That pushes us to stop making judgments. And to instead start to really see. To see others in this world, to see others in this congregation, to see others in our family, to see each other truly, lovingly, and faithfully. Thank you for your presence over this series, Lord. Give us strength and courage. Breathe into us that simple song, that simple song of belonging. Help us, Lord. Rise up.
Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.